to talk you know and i've been doing this lately to all the guests i just start i just start yes. like, you know what boom hey welcome to the protectors this is not though you know i'm just like boom we're on so, so we're doing it live like Bill we're doing it live we're doing it. i gotta make a shirt like that live good idea i love Fuck it, it man <laughs> yeah exactly man Fuck it, do it live that was like the best clip ever i swear oh, that was like can, you know man i could watch it over and over my favorite part of though is when they pan out and it's like an overhead, like almost like a drone shot. And he's like throwing uh, something on his desk. He's like, God yeah. damn it. <laughs> he had like, um, we were just talking like before the, the show. He's like, he had one of these like ear mics. He's like throwing it all down. He's like, we'll do it live. <laughs> I just love that. <laughs> if there I, wasn't I met, some weird copyright, I'd probably throw a clip of that up right now. But it's awesome, man. Yes. Well, I, I met him briefly at the, I was uh, doing the St. Patrick's Parade up in Boston a couple years back with my guys. And uh, he came up to us. I think he was the Grand Marshal. And uh, so he had some good words to say about us. So I just, that that whole narrative was running through my head. I just, oh, I just want to unleash and ask him about that. But I was like, ah, oh, I better not. You, can you imagine how many times, like how many, like he's just walking on the road and someone's probably like, fuck it, we'll do it live. <laughs> yes, I hope so. In 20 years after he's dead, because I'm sure he'll be dead in 20 years, probably has less, will be. Um, he'll forever be known as that. Like, <laughs> oh, it's, it's got to go in a headstone. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Maybe somebody I'll get like a key turn on like that. You know? <laughs> so, come on show. I, you know, podcast world, man, I love it. You know, you get to talk to different people. You get to meet different people, especially with the social media thing. And the podcast world is actually kind of small. It seems like we all kind of jump on each other's podcasts and do this and that and everything. And we all talk about different things which is cool. You know, I've seen, I, I think the days of candy interviews are over. Yes. So it's good. Yes, I agree. Yeah. I, one, one thing I want to talk to you about today was like law enforcement stuff, man. Um, who did I have on Sanders? And we were talking just great stuff, man. And I love talking with LEOs. I love talking to police. I love the real police, man, because being a fed, you kind of, once in a while, you dip into the police world, but nine times out of ten, it's Fed world. Fed world's like blah blah blah. Let's talk about you, man. NYPD did that for a bit, yep. then you're like, man, I need some sun. And what after NYPD, you're like, I'm going to go out to the uh, the West Coast. <laughs> yeah, I've always had um, you know passion for the West Coast via like music, the aggressive music scene metal, hardcore, punk, and all that, mm -hmm. and then uh, kind of being a cinephile, and then just the whole lore of, um, of the, the crime scene was totally different than it was on the East Coast. When I was a young kid, I picked up in the fifth grade the Helter Skelter book written by a DA yeah. who prosecuted the case, and then it was off to the races from there. I gobbled up anything true crime related and police related, and, uh, and then I just drew a direct line to L.A., so that's how that got started. My interest in the West Coast and BMX, skateboarding, all that good stuff that comes along with it. Anything ocean related. So I, I can't complain. You know, it's, uh, it's been a good life so far out here for me. Yeah, I was in San Diego for a bunch of years, man. I love San Diego. I love the weather. But, you know, it's a different underworld. You know, like working law enforcement, like back then I used to work at Heidi T and high intensity drug trafficking. 
Yep. And um, it's a different world, man. Like when you see what's really going on in the city, whether it's the most beautiful city in the world, uh, you're not seeing like the, the beaches and the Hiltons and all the other good stuff. You're seeing like the underbelly. So what was that realization like? You know, New York, man, nothing like it in the world. Um, unbelievable, different culture, especially the uh, the gold badge culture out there is completely different. Um, going out to LA and really unwrapping the city. What was that like? Well, I think that one of the first things that hit me was uh, the gang culture. But then it was a different slice of the gang culture that I never really read about or heard about. And that was kind of uh, the prison gang structure and how that influenced the streets and impacted you know, our operations. And then even deeper into that was the whole white gang, uh, prison gang culture, which had zero idea. And then you know, a lot of our cops on the street really, unless you, it's such a small population, unless you're really interested in you know, parolees and uh, the prison politics and what have you, that opened up a whole different world to me. I was like, wow, I was like, I get arrest white people, my own kind, and not get, you know, hey, you stopped me, it was X, Y, Z. So I was like, all right, here's, a, here's something totally different. And mm-hmm. so I found out about, you know, the Aryan Brotherhood and Nazi lowriders and public enemy number one. And it just kind of blew my mind was we didn't really have that prison gang culture as much on the East Coast, let alone white gangs. It was more, the only thing I, I was aware of really was, you know, traditional organized crime, you know, Russians, Italian, uh, you know, mm-hmm. Asian, you know, Vietnamese gangs and stuff like that. So like, just like yeah. the word peck of wood, I'm like, what the hell's a peck of wood? And so it just, um, that just drew me in and I was like, all right, these, these are the guys I want to look into and, and go after. And then that kind of led to working out gang unit, which at the time was called crash yeah. community resources against street hoodlums and, um, the now infamous crash unit. And now, um, yeah, that pushed me into uh, other directions as well as, you know, it was pretty much uh, Intel collecting, but on a street level. Well, you know, always... one thing you were bringing up though, is like when you arrest, like, you know, a lot of people don't understand, like in California, you have like the fourth, they saw a fourth waiver. So you can kind of just, you know, someone's under parole or probation and everything, you can kind of go check them out. You don't yep. need to, to jump through all the hoops of, you know, you're really just checking to see if they have something going on. So uh, it's not like, you know, on the East Coast where it's like if you pull over, you know, you're going to get the, the Karens and the, the Kyles and everybody else, like, you know, just chopping off your ear and filing complaints and something like that. There's bona fide gang, white gang criminals in California. Yes. You know, like East Coast, and you know, when you think white gangs, you think like, you know, motorcycle gangs and pagans mm-hmm. and everything else. But out there, it's like, you know, that's the crew. Yeah. And the, the prison gangs out here, I mean, just extremely organized and, and um, just, just vicious, just brutal, more than people ever depicted. Uh, there's a great movie out there, if you're a movie fan, that kind of really, one of the best out there about the, the white prison gang thing uh, called Shot Caller. And that's just... I, one of my favorite movies, absolute favorite movies, and it shows how it all goes down. Yes. No happy ending yet. Right. Yeah, that and a movie called Felon, which came before that, which was kind of like almost a bite. Um, but uh, yeah, highly recommend those if you're not familiar with the white prison gangs and the structure and how devious they could be. So, yeah, gangs, a lot of people don't realize it. They, you know, that's the culture shift. It, you know, you and I don't want, probably watch a lot of the mainstream news anymore. And it's like, there's so much going on. 
And you know that the country shifts, like everything's social media and these phones and 30 second clips. There's a real, real devious underbelly of the country that nobody really thinks about. And a lot of it's intermingled. And especially when it comes to crime, man, when it comes to power and profit, and I probably preface to say it's profit more than power a lot of times. Yeah, where when you can make a buck, someone will do it. Yes. Yeah, it's a it's a culture unto itself, just just in the prison. It's it's a world that people would never imagine what goes on, like how deep it gets and all the different layers. So yeah, I love that stuff. I like how you say you love it, man, because when you get into the intelligence, and you're bringing this up a little bit before I, I, I rudely interrupted you about oh, no, intelligence, man, intelligence gathering, human intelligence, intermixing things with signals, intelligence, that piece of the puzzle, man, that's the favorite part of policing, I think. When you, oh, yeah. get, when you get off the street, it's just putting those pieces together, man. Intelligence-driven policing, you know, rapport-based, I mean, debriefing people. Uh, cultivating sources. Um, yeah, that's that's my bread and butter. That's what I, I love doing. And um, yeah, I came from same thing straight out of love for books from you know, reading G. Gordon Liddy's uh, mm-hmm. autobiography, Will, and all, all those you know, guys that were operating when it wasn't even a word. And uh, you know, that whole 60s, 70s era was just yeah. amazing time period, especially like 68 to 72 around there. I mean, you know, we, people think our country's in turmoil right now. It's like, phew, we're not even close to what it was in the Vietnam era. And that's- You know uh, what? I'm glad, man, that's one thing I always love tell, talking about is like, we have social media. We have all this crazy crap right now where it's instant. But man, the, when you bring up the 60s and especially the 70s, this like the domestic bombings, you know, like yes. New York, man. Hundreds. Domestic bombings everywhere. <laughs> I mean, you know, the Sibylese Liberation Armies, the 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 Puerto Rican nationalists, everything yeah. matters. Shit blowing up all the time, man. The weathermen. Yeah, it's just yeah. assassinations. Presidents getting taken out. You know, political figures. I mean, uh-huh. uh, National Guard, you know, licking off shots at college campuses. I mean, yeah. it was, term- it was National- turmoil. Kent State, bro. Kent, Kent <laughs> State. Can you imagine? Amazing. These kids oh, have no idea. Crap, man. Yeah. And, but, you we've know, come along, and it shows that we've come a long way as a nation too, in mm-hmm. in the way governing, uh, law enforcement, everything else. It's like I think it's where, where you know we I always say we always have a long way to go, and that's the goals every day to get better and better, you know, as a person, and then through through your profession and everything else into your community. And mm-hmm. but we've come a long way from the '60s and '70s as a as a law enforcement entities and uh, just as people. I think. I mean, one word. Serpico, watch it, you know? I mean, think about it. You yeah. had whole precincts that were, you know, corrupt. Top, from yeah. top down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, man, it's, it, we have come a long way. And the old school broken windows community policing is out the door, man. It's now like when you brought up that word rapport and, and building relationships with the community and building relationships. Well, some people that really just sometimes aren't the, the nicest people in the world, you still have to build relationships. It can't yes. be us against them, man. It doesn't work. And just knowing that there's no uh, there's no perfect person out there, with either either in the police department or uh, on the other side. Even though mm-hmm. someone's a criminal, you don't believe in coddling anyone, but you you have to um, you have to believe in redemption. I think that's like one of man's best qualities mm-hmm. is to 
better himself. And, uh, you know, we have to, we're kind of a Jew based on a Judeo Christian society of, Hey, someone says they're sorry, or they pay their penance, you move on. So even though that guy is a a gang member or whatever, uh, you could still, you know, you you still got to give him a shot and you could still, you still have to treat him like a person. You don't have to treat him like a dirtbag. It's like, Hey, I used to tell my guys and, you know, that I would interact with, Hey, I'm, if you do this X, Y, and Z, you're going, you, um, I don't care how much information you give me, but I'm going to come into your house and toss you a pad, but with respect and dignity. And it's just business, you know, like the mafia say, mm-hmm. it's just business. And, it's, you know, same thing with us. We, you know, I don't hate you. I just hate what you're doing to the community if you're out there committing yeah. harm. So that's my advice I could give to, you know, to the, to the new generation is don't take it personal and it's just business and treat everyone like you would want to be treated. You know, respect's a two-way street and it's going to make your life a whole lot easier. Yeah, and if you're going to, you're going out there to get a badge and gun just to have a badge and gun, you're, you know, you're in a profession for the wrong reasons. A lot of people yes. forget that that shield, that thin blue line is like evil's on one side, good's on the other, and you're just a thin slice that keeps that, the really bad people from really, you know, fucking society. Because there, you know, there are some true evil, sick sons of bitches out there, man. Yeah, on, on both sides. I mean, Yo, I was just yeah, going through the other day, guys that we worked with through the years. I mean, after like 25 years on a job, just like one uh, station house I worked in, and we were going through all the different guys that have gotten jammed up through the years. And it was crazy. It was like from murder all the way down, you know, murder, mm-hmm. rape, child molestation, arson. And I was like, <laughs> like this is the police station. These guys we work with, but we're just human. And guys make mistakes. They slip through the cracks and infiltrate our ranks. And we got to suffer the repercussions, unfortunately. But it's... Yeah. And you know, you, if you've always... There's like a trait, man. A deviant trait. You, you can't pick it up on it. Maybe it just eventually it festers itself and you, it comes out, man. But you're going to get caught. If you're a sick son of a bitch, you're going to get caught. And that's what I love about watching like these documentaries and everything on Netflix. So we'll talk about you jumping into the old Netflix world in a little while. but Sure. You know, my son and I, you know, he's 12. And we started watching the uh, the Night Stalker. Yeah. And you start one. looking. Yeah, you start like serial killers, man. You start looking into the deviant and the evil people are out there. The end of the day, the public chased that motherfucker down and got him. You know, if oh, the yeah. cops are on his trail, they were going to get him. But, you know, there are so many good people out there that, uh, compared to how many evil people are out there. They got him and they were going to stomp him out. And it was actually the police that yeah, saved him. Yeah. I mean, he was like, get me the hell out of here. <laughs> These people are going to kill me. Uh-huh. You know, you know so he it's... had his power when he had the gun and the knives and the element of surprise. And when he's going yes. after the elderly old lady. But man, when you, when you take away that power from these scumbags, that's where it's at, man. Yes. Yes. And then that's, you know, and then the flip side of the coin that like you were saying, that gun and shield, that should be like, that's the emergency exit. Like you should never, you have to go to that. Use all your tools before that. And mostly it's here and then here and all those other mm-hmm. things, guys barely lick off any shots. I mean, 90, what was it? 98% never you know, fire the gun. So, yeah. you know, the narrative that's going around is completely false. And that's, that's why I'm trying to do things like this, where it's like, no, let, let me give you the real perspective on the ground of what we think and what we do and what, you know, what we, what our goals are. The reality is, you know, I don't want to have liability insurance and I never want to pay for it. I mean, I pay, I think two or 300 bucks a year. The government reimburses me for some of it. I never want to use my firearm ever. 
Yes. You know, it's not like the movies where you're like, you know, you're running a gun in and, you know, you want to kick down doors and, and shoot drug dealers and bad guys and serial killers. It doesn't work that way. And the reality of policing is you never want to draw it. And if that's the reason you're in the game, you shouldn't be in the game. Yeah. And usually those guys don't last long, you know, five years, maybe seven years. And like you said, they get weeded out quick. But unfortunately, uh, we got to pay pay the price for blowback. But training so is many... fun, man. You should put ground sound range and training. That's awesome, man. But having yes. to utilize it in the field, man. Absolutely. And you know one thing we're going to talk about today is fugitives, man. And yes. nine times out of ten, you can't get a fugitive unless you have sources, unless you have intel, and unless they are dumbasses too. So I mean, there's, there's a lot around it. Yes. Yeah, guys. Let's talk uh, fugitives, man. Let's do it. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, same thing. Even if you don't even have all those, you know, sing-ins or, you know, intel, whatever. I mean, just the ability to befriend somebody and talk to their family members and, you know, just um, show them, um, you know, explain what you do, explain uh, what the other person did. You know, there's always three sides to every story. And we get a lot of people that, you know, you wouldn't believe uh, turn in their son, daughter, whatever it is, just by, come, you know, being straight up with them, you know, showing them respect and uh, taking, you know, going the extra mile. So when you don't have anything, you have something. So I, I love it, man. Because I, I ran when I was with ICE, I ran a fugitive operations for Delaware, and I remember telling like some family members because you brought that up. Family members do turn into families because the one thing is you tell them, look, they're going to be running the rest of their life. Um, they can come. They could tell me when they're coming in here. They can come in and turn themselves in, or I can go out and find them, or you could tell me where they're at. And they're like, huh? They could take the easy way. Or they could be like one day a cop pulls them over and maybe they get shot, you know, maybe they have, you know, whatever, you know. Um, but, you know, a lot of times you just build these relationships with family members and they'll, they'll tell you, uh, friends, yes. they'll tell you. Because the safety of their friend or relative is kind of what they're thinking about, man. They're not snitching per se, but they're like, hey, man, this is the way to go. Yes. Yeah. We'll keep it confidential. And exactly what you said, it's like, we don't want to hurt anyone. We don't want to get involved in a pursuit. We don't have to stop on somebody. But if it happens, we're ready for it. But we don't want that. And then as you come across calm, cool, collected and explain that and show them, demonstrate that body language and everything else, they're going to believe it. You know, for the majority of the time, there's always going to be those hardliners. And I understand that. I mean, um, you know, family is family. But yeah, a lot of it is just uh, just communications, everything. And fugitives, fugitive surveillance is so much different than regular surveillance. Regular surveillance is like doo -doo -doo, taking notes, developing intel. Fugitive surveillance, man, you never know when it's going to jump off. You never know we're going to show up, who's going to show up, who's with them. And don't know the variables, man. That's the that's the adrenaline-inducing portion of it, man. Yes, yes, yeah. Just talking about, it, I could feel the juices coming up. Uh -huh. Yeah, um, yeah, it was. Whatever you plan for, plan for, it's going to be the opposite. You know, if you think he's going to show up in 10 minutes, it's going to be in 10 seconds and, and vice versa. It's, it never in goes according to plan. It's going to be two days, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, there's nothing like that adrenaline rush of that's there he is, or, you know, the opposite of it, of where you got to, you know, put your ego aside. You're like, I think that might be the person, but I'm not sure. Oh, like, do I put it over the radio? Do I hold back? You know, I don't want to look like a fool in front of everyone. 
uh, you know, if we jam up the wrong person. So, you know, everything comes into, comes into play, your emotions and uh, your senses and feelings and everything else, you know, eyesight. I mean, you have to have everything firing on all cylinders to do it right. It's which truly is, hunting. Because think about it, like when you go after deer and everything, you're putting camouflage on. So when you're going after fugitives, you know, you can't really be in that domestic tinted out car sitting mm-hmm. two blocks away. You know, you really have to lay in. And that's what I like about it, man. And that's what I used to love about being in the border patrol too. It's like, yeah, you know, years ago, man, is laying in and waiting for a group and just listening and watching. And when you brought up not knowing if that's the right one, how many people from 75, 80 meters away look exactly the same? I mean, just yeah. today we... We had someone come up to us and uh, we were doing like a little pre-briefing and uh, this girl saw us and uh, she was like, how come none of y'all are wearing your mask, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, meanwhile, we're all vaccinated. So, and uh, three quarters of the guys already had COVID. So it's no factor, but you know, she had a chirp on us anyway. And then we're looking at each other. We're looking at her like, is that her? So we're looking at the flyer. I'm like, damn, I mean, I said, what would be the irony of that? So it was like, if we engage with her and, and it's her, oh, it's going to be interesting. And then the person we ultimately did get looked nothing like the flyer. And the person that we didn't think we thought it was that walked away looked more like her than she did. So you just don't, <laughs> you just don't know. And, and ultimately, you know, now speaking about this, uh, it was her father that, you know, that gave us uh, the intel and then her mother brought her, brought her in. I, I didn't even think about that, but it's, it's already in the brain. So yeah there you what go world, man. you know yeah. shift in focus favorite crime movie cops and robbers movie uh the one that started me off was uh the french connection that's what uh, oh, got me open got me open into all this i was like i want to be like french connection uh, gene hackman who's a mm-hmm. plainclothes narcotics detective citywide running around with his uh his partner great guy and uh you know the hanging out after hours drinking you know, womanizing all the all the typical cliche stuff by putting in those long hours and getting making the arrest, making the good solid collars and having a good time doing it. So I was like, I was like, wow, I could wear plain clothes, you know, go up against, you know, high level offenders, have a good time, see the city. I was like, what more do you need? I mean, it's, you know, I never I was an only child. So like the partner is my brother and everyone else, you know, extended siblings or mm-hmm. extended family. And, you know, arresting tier one type players and being up all night, just and having a ball and busting each other's chops. It's like, that's it. That's what I'm doing. And, you know, 20 something years later, I'm getting to do it. It's, you know, every day I go to work, that's not lost on me. So whenever I have those days, I'm like, oh, this is, man, I can't wait to retire or this is garbage or whatever. I can't, this place is the worst. I, I think of that and it snaps me back. I'm like, I got a great privilege that, that I'm, to do this, what I always want to do as a young kid. So it's, um, it's a good feeling. And, you know, sometimes I'm like, you know, I retire in two years, two years, actually 10, maybe a year and a half. And I'm like, it's, it's like, man, you never have that going after the bad thing. And, you know, me, I'm, I'm pretty much been out of the game for a long time now, man, because of headquarters, Fed World, DC. And I'm like, man, I should go become a sheriff somewhere. I'll do something, you know, because I'm like, I, I'm not ready to give it in, man. I feel young, you know, 48 years oh, old. Yeah. I, I don't feel like I'm ready to, you know, pack it all in. But I am ready to pack it all in for the Fed world. I'm like, you know, I want to see what's out there. I want to talk to people again. 
mm-hmm. want to go out there and like develop information. And if I'm not doing that, then I want to lead people that are. So yes, yeah. I know the feeling. I we were our department was going through a realignment. Uh, they started uh, taking guys out of units, so I had to do like a year tour in our training uh, cadre, which I went kicking and screaming. And ended up it ended up ultimately being the best best thing for me. I learned so much, you know, by mm-hmm. being an instructor. But the thing I really missed was being out on the street and talking to people, you know, being that presence. And that was, that was the number one thing I missed was just going out there and chopping it up with people, you know, kids on the street and, you know, asking, you know, funny questions and even people being pissed off at, you know, like, cause I, like I said, I don't take it personal. So uh, even having those conversations, I, I missed it. So, so when I got to get back into it, oh, it was awesome. It's funny because my kids are 10 and 12 and they, you know, their whole life they've ever seen me when I was running fugitive operations as babies, when I was running dope, they weren't alive, you know? So when they see pictures or hear me telling stories or whatever, they're like, huh, really? I'm like, yeah, I'm not just a podcast and you sitting in my basement right now, you know, I'm like, I actually did something before. <laughs> so it's like, it's one of those things where you just want to leave a really good legacy. Yes. Yeah, see kids like, Ma, dad's in the basement talking to himself again. <laughs> yeah. I'm always waiting because I, uh, you know, I have this new awesome like little basement studio. And my yeah. daughter always comes in and she'll like wave at me. And I'm like, hey, what, what's going on? I'm trying to talk. It just, it's a different world for them, man. You know, they don't, they see us old men and they're like, hmm. But you're out there doing it, man. That's what I like. And you're also on Netflix, man. That, was, that must have been pretty cool. That's probably not your first venture into the TV spectrum, though, right? Being out in my life for that long. Uh, yeah, not, definitely not to that degree. I had, <laughs> it, it started off, I, in my mind, I thought it was just going to be like a little small independent production, like maybe a couple thousand punters would see it. And it <laughs> ended up being like the number one Netflix uh, series for a couple of weeks. And mm-hmm. man, I had people coming out of the woodwork that I haven't heard from in decades and you know, and then strangers like crazy, you know, on LinkedIn and every other uh, social media thing and hit me up. And it's been interesting. <laughs> I had no oh, idea, like the impact of Netflix has, like, I didn't realize how, how many people the minute an episode drops or a series, like, you know, just people devour it, especially in the true crime genre. So true it's been pretty. It's at, man, I'm telling you, I love it. You know what? Well, like I said, we were watching the Nice Talk and then I'm like, what's the next one? I'm like the mystery of Cecil Hotel or something like that. This is awesome, man. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, my old man got me into documentaries way back when, like watching Victory at Sea and all those type mm-hmm. of old school joints on, you know, every World War II, Hitler-related, you know, Churchill, everything was just all documentaries. And so I always had a love for that. And we're like in the golden age of documentaries right now. So mm-hmm. to be a part of that and something successful, I was just thinking about it today on, on, the, way to, on the way home. And I was like, oh, wow. I mean, I'm, you know, you know, it's kind of everything comes full circle type of thing. So it's, it's been really fun and opened up, a, it's opening up a lot of doors and a lot. Yeah, it's pretty cool, man. So you also do the podcast on the side too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a huge music fan. And then part of that was like uh, radio shows, you know, back, mm-hmm. you know, like Sunday nights, you'd hear, you know, rock, rock line and all these different things yeah, where you deep dive conversations with limited commercials. And I, I loved all that. So to, when someone asked me to be a co-host uh, on a podcast, I was all over it. So I love having conversations about things that I'm into. So, you know, we divvy it up pretty much into three groups. I do it with uh, um, Combat Marine from Anglico. And uh, so we pretty much, I'll 
span as you know, like you have military, uh, police, and martial arts, since we both um, crazy uh, jujitsu practitioners. So we kind of get you know hit that whole span, which is just an unbelievable community. And uh, shout out, I know you, um, my co-host, uh, uh, did his tours over in Iraq. So shout out to you guys over there that were kicking ass while you know we are on the home front taking care of business. So forever indebted to Bro, um, was, those staff it was unbelievable but i like the real heroes man it's like i always had that whole adage where like you know you've been around really hero type people and i've been around some really amazing people and i've met a ton of amazing people off of the show yes yes i mean being this my, my dad was a vietnam ranger so to see to be in a company of guests of the guys that are rangers and guys in odas i mean um, mm -hmm. yeah, I feel like I'm punching above my weight, but thank you. And always have a, um, you know, a place in my heart for everyone that stepped up and took part in everything post September 11th, obviously from working at NYPD and being down at ground zero for a year plus. So that's, uh, what you guys did from top to bottom, no matter what job it was. And, um, yeah, so I love great. that the show, man, I get to talk to LEOs, emergency responders and people that support them too, man. I love the support of the community. Absolutely. Best, I mean, that's the best thing. I mean, that's the majority of it is support to let out, you know, guys like me get out there and get dirty, but we need proper equipments, you know, we okay. need budgeting, you know, uh, lobbyists from the unions, whatever it is. I mean, it takes for that tiny little percentage that's, that's out there on the line a 10%, maybe, you know, it takes 90% of support. So can't discount any of that. Everyone plays a role. Well, I'm going to jump back, man. We're going to, we're going to, we love the sport out there. Thank you, everybody, for supporting both of our shows. But BJJ, you know, I just saw mm -hmm. this movie, Born a Champion. It was excellent, man. Um, yes, I had that on my list. I had that on my list. You've got to watch it. Uh, Sean Patrick Flannery, I didn't realize he was major into BJJ and a bunch of other different martial arts. And now my son wants to do it. And I'll tell him, I'm like, you know, that's another thing I might, I'm really, you know, thinking about. Let's do this. I might be 48. I've done some ground fighting here and there with like, you know, infantry and water patrol and all the other crap. Mm -hmm. um, and all these different cameras. Like, you know what? That might be something really, it's different. It's not just ground and pounding. It's, it's technique, strategy. And you've got to watch that movie. I did invite him on the show, so maybe we'll see him on the show. I, I think I might have heard it from you guys first. Uh, you guys discussed you discussed it on the podcast, known as yeah, that, I right? think, oh, yeah, I can't remember. I yeah, just, I, I think that's about this where all the time, man. Yeah, so, I think that's where I first heard it, and I put it on you know screenshot. I put on my uh, list of places, things to hit. So yeah, well, I'm looking watch forward it, to that. And then we'll have another conversation. So, How yeah. old your son? Twelve. Okay, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's perfect, uh, to do father and son activities like that oh that's uh -huh. awesome i mean we this used kid. to box me yeah and my old man so it's all my, nothing uh, better you well you're from the east coast my brothers used to box the luke costello gym in patterson new jersey man. oh Remember, tough, costello? tough town yeah of course man. we used Meet, to clean cars. meets frankenstein <laughs> yes we um so we used to, my my parents were car cleaners growing up and uh like professional car cleaners taught us all the trade uh, that's what I did when I got out of the army the first time too. But uh, my brothers and I used to work down by Jersey City and cleaning cars. And when we were done, they would go and they would box at night for like nine o'clock at night in Patterson. And uh, man, Tough. they were good boxers, man. But yeah, I bet. Man. some Jersey uh, we used to call Jersey shitty. 
Uh It was a rough, rough neighborhood. And my dad was a Brooklyn born and he taught him how to fight. Telling guy from Brooklyn, broken nose, got beat with pipes and everything else going on. Yeah, boom. Learn how to, yeah. My dad's got this big, giant schnauzer, man. <laughs> Just crazy, man. Good times. Yeah. To, I'm, uh, uh, I'm looking forward to this, BJJ. I'm looking forward to following you, too, man. Uh, I've been keeping you up here for a long time now. And, uh, Cecil, Fugitive Operations, what else were we going to talk about? Uh, just fun stuff, man. You're always welcome on the show, brother. Yes, yes, I, I appreciate it. You live up to your name. You know, Piccolo uh, describes uh, <laughs> music movements and different instruments. So yeah, you being a prolific podcaster, you're putting out music to people's ears, which is very important, yeah. especially, um, yeah, I think we, you know, we are our name. So that's, uh, it's, it's a name that rings true for you. You're living up to it. So. I haven't even gotten into my music. I, uh, growing up, I was all speed metal. I was Hell nuclear yeah. assault. I was... Uh, King Diamond, man, yes, everybody, man, I loved it. Sabotage. Yeah. Who else was out there, man? And uh, we had the operatic ones, the uh, the real shows, like Queens, right, man. Have you ever, if you've you ever seen Operation Mindcrime in concert, it's like watching a movie, I, man. I, I got to see Jeff Tate do it, the lead singer. Yeah, he did the whole album, which was amazing. Um, yeah. I didn't get to see the actual band back in the day to do that. Missed out on that, but. Wow, it was, awesome, it was just like a movie, man. Because if anybody, Operation Mind Crimes by Queens, right, came out probably what 89, maybe and it goes through like almost like this whole movie type. The album's almost like a movie, and when they do the yes. concert, it's just like Sister Mary, this whole thing, man, it's incredible. It's the art of the concept album. I mean, yes. that's a, that's lost. I mean, when you hear a band say, uh-huh. We're doing a concept album, you're like, Whoa. I mean, I was saying something, because you know it was going to be deep. And yeah, because it's like beginning to the end, and you know, you have the ballads and you have the hard stuff, and now it's like everything's got to be like almost like tracked out, and it's got to hit the top forty or, or whatever. It's got to hit the certain. Back then, man, it was like boom. Every 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 group had a ballad, whether that's Overkill, Metal Church, or anybody. They always threw the ballad out there, man. Zeppelin. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. All the greats. It's a, yeah. I mean, I, I can't stress that enough of if you like music, which pretty much almost everyone does pick up an instrument and it'll give you 20 times a better appreciation of it. You'll see it. It's Mm -hmm. almost like let's just listen to music without knowing how to play an instrument. It's like one dimensional. And once you pick up an instrument, you're, you're seen in 3d or listening in 3d. It's when you, you like you're wearing Bose headset right now. Mm Mm-hmm. And when you put on a, a like good, like for audio files out there, you know what I'm talking about. It's like when you hear it through like real, like really good headset speakers or anything, music puts on a whole new level, man. Oh yeah. Yeah. Listening to it on a, you know, just a corny phone. I mean, in a crap system, mm-hmm. you're doing yourself a disservice. And uh, yeah, you'll you'll pick up different things because so it's not man- some of these records aren't mastered to be listened through these these outputs that we have, you know, MacBooks or whatever. So yeah, go invest in a nice sound system for all the exactly. people that have it out there. Yeah, or well, brother, just invest. Thinking... Oh, go ahead, man. Invest. I was just going to say, invest in your life, whatever makes you happy. Spend an extra couple of bucks. It's decimal points. No day is guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Live without regrets. 
you know, look out for one another and uh, keep the faith. And as your shirt says, rise above, brother. I appreciate this. You know uh, it, brother. It's true, man. You got it. Well, my friend, you will be coming on soon and hopefully I'll have you on as a co-host sometime, bro. I love it. Love it. And then when you come out to LA, uh, look me up. And um, if you're rolling, we'll be uh, rolling out in Gracie University or wherever, or just meeting up for coffee and doing good stuff. And uh, I'll be out on the the East Coast. Uh, Well, you're not in Jersey anymore, but I usually go out at least once or twice a year for the holidays. So yeah, ping me, brother. I'm always out. I'm always out and about now. Excellent. Excellent.